Dear Frauders and Sororers, dear friends, the great mystics of all times and all places have meditated deeply on the gnosis of the heart. Using the words of Louis-Claude de Saint-Martin and of St. John of the Cross and others as a basis, we can paraphrase their thoughts succinctly. We can enter into the heart of God so that God's heart enters into us, there to form an indissoluble marriage which will make us the spouse of the divine Sophia, holy wisdom. There is no other mystery in arriving at this holy initiation than to go further and further down into the depths of our being and not let go until we can bring forth the living, vivifying root, because then all the fruit which we ought to bear, according to our kind, will be produced within and outside ourselves naturally, which will be the divine logos itself transforming the lover into the beloved. What kind of knowledge is it that could bring about such a transformation, and what are the signs of such a knowledge and love? This knowledge is gnosis. Gnosis. In many languages, there are two kinds of knowledge, to know about something or to know something. For example, before living in San Francisco, I knew about the city. Now, I know San Francisco. Gnosis is experiential, personal knowledge of a person, place, event, or truth. When gnosis is coupled with love, it follows the unitive path, uniting the lover and the beloved. Think about your own relationships. Until you made the commitment to live as a family together, you may have known a great deal about your intended, but now, after years of living together, you truly know your spouse or partner. Sometimes this illustrates the phrase, for better and for worse. But to be sure, you know the other, and they know you. As Golda sings to Tevye in Fiddler on the Roof, For twenty-five years I have lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. I've washed the clothes, cooked the meals, cleaned the house. If that's not love, what is? According to the axiom, as above, so below, our human love is an icon, an image of the love that moves the sun and the other stars. Therefore, we have begun our journey here with family love. However, when we begin to translate this into the cosmic levels, it is not quite so easy to see. Seeking the divine lover, one does not often have the opportunity to wash the clothes or do the dishes. Or do we? If everything is an emanation of the divine, of being itself, then every way in which we serve our fellow human beings and indeed every creature on our planet, is a service of the cosmic. In fact, service is the first irreducible prerequisite for cosmic union. As James, the brother of the Essene master Jesus, put it, anyone who says that they love God and hate their neighbor is a liar. It can't get much clearer than that. As John, the beloved disciple of the Essene master Jesus, put it, anyone who says that they love God and hate their neighbor is a liar. It can't get much clearer than that. I therefore propose for our first experiment that we meditatively listen to a verse adapted from the Hebrew Psalms of David, celebrating just such harmonious service. How good it is for men and women to live together as brothers and sisters in unity. Now sit comfortably, feet flat on the floor, hands unclasped downward on the lap. Take three deep positive breaths, holding the breath in for as long as it is comfortable before exhaling. Now resume normal breathing. And while breathing in, mentally repeat the phrase, how good it is for men and women. And while breathing out, repeat the second half of the phrase, to live together as brothers and sisters in unity. Continue this for about half a minute, and then remain receptive for the following half minute, being aware of any impressions you may receive.
living a life of service according to the law of Amra and having exercised love on the human level in any of its many manifestations, be it family affection, friendship, romantic love, or completely unselfish agape, one begins the quest for the gnosis of the heart, much as the troubadours and knights embarked on their quests, holding the beloved in their hearts, even if remotely. This is no easy quest. As with all quests, the object of the quest remains distant, known but hidden, seemingly inaccessible. It is only through trial and testing that one may draw near. As anyone knows who has sought the divine, the cosmic, this is certainly true. The monks of a 12th century monastery in Benedict Buren, in the German-speaking lands, wrote a series of poems and songs we know today as the Carmina Burana. One of these picks up the theme of the difficulty of this form of chivalry. The first two verses sing of the joys of spring and of romantic love in a more or less conventional manner. They say, The sun, pure and gentle, calms all things. The face of April opens to the new world. The mind of youth hastens to love, and Cupid rules over all with charm. So great a renewal of the world in festive spring, and the authority of spring orders us to rejoice. It shows its familiar ways, and in the spring of your life, sincerity and honesty require that you should keep the one who is yours. However, the final verse turns almost imperceptibly toward the price one pays for this quest. The last verse in the original Latin is, Ama me fideliter, fidem me amnota, de corde totaliter et ex mente tota, sum presencialiter, absence in remota, quisquis amataliter, volvitur in rota. Love me faithfully, mark my faithful trust, completely in my heart and in my whole mind, I am with you, though absent in a far place. Whosoever loves in this way is turned upon the wheel. Let us pause for a moment of meditation and allow these words to sink deeply within us and be receptive to any impressions that you may receive. Love me faithfully. Mark my faithful trust. Completely in my heart and in my whole mind, I am with you though absent in a far place. Whosoever loves in this way is turned upon the wheel. This journey on the quest for the gnosis of the heart will take us ranging far beyond the fields we know, to the outermost reaches and the innermost depths. When we first encounter the beloved, the object of our quest, the results can be jolting and surprising to say the least. Anyone who has been in love will know the confusion, the feeling of walking on air, and the disorientation that can be the result of first meeting our human love. How much more when we encounter the cosmic? Sufi love poetry, which refers at one and the same time to our earthly loves and our universal transcendent love, has spread its influence throughout the world. One of the greatest mystics of this tradition is Rumi, who lived from 1207 to 1273. 
When we discover the hidden heart within ourselves, the heart which is the heart of the cosmos, he asks us, what is our reaction? For our next meditation, let us listen to this brief reading from one of Rumi's quatrains. During this, allow the impressions of the first encounter with the divine Sophia to come to you and consider what your reaction is. Now once again, sit comfortably, feet flat on the floor, hands unclasped, downward on the lap. Now once again, take three deep positive breaths holding the breath in for as long as it feels comfortable before exhaling, and then listen meditatively, being aware of any impressions that you may receive. Inside the great mystery, that is, we don't really own anything. What is this competition we feel then, before we go one at a time through the same gate? If you've opened your loving to God's love, you're helping people you don't know and have never seen. Is what I say true? Say yes quickly. If you know, you've known it from the beginning of the universe. Do any thoughts, feelings, or emotions arise while listening to this poetry? What is the response entering into the heart of all? Pause for a moment to consider your response. Meeting the beloved, the most startling thing occurs. Coming to know the master within intimately, we discover what the 13th century mystic Hadjewitch did. She longed to be like her inner angel, and one day her inner master revealed to her, You have wished, dear strong heroine and lady, with your doubts, to know from me how it might come to pass, and through what works, that she should attain full growth, so as to be like me, so that I should be like her, and you like myself. Let this be in me, and let it be announced to you by my mouth. It is my understanding of my rich nature. Hadjewitch realizes that the angel within her is her own higher self, that she is divine and growing in union with the divine. The marriage with Holy Sophia, Holy Wisdom, is accomplished. Once we discover this identity, we are impelled outward again, fresh from the first phase of our quest, to act as divine cosmic agents in the world. We do not hold this joy to ourselves, but rather it is manifested in an outpouring of service, transformed and transfigured on this plane of existence. The British mystic and seer William Blake imagined this. The British mystic and seer William Blake imaged this in his prophetic poem, Jerusalem. And did those feet in ancient time walk upon England's mountain green? And did those feet in ancient time walk upon England's mountains green? And was the Holy Lamb of God on England's pleasant pastures seen? And did the countenance divine shine forth upon our clouded hills? And was Jerusalem builded here among those dark satanic mills? Bring me my bow of burning gold. Bring me my arrows of desire. Bring me my spear, O clouds unfold. Bring me my chariot of fire. I will not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. There is no doubt that the anointed one's feet have touched our native soil, for the mystic him or herself is the divine one, and we are all called to do the work of Amra. The marriage with the divine Sophia has brought forth the Logos, the word within us. 
we will build Jerusalem over and over again until our earthly models unite to the heavenly prototype. Finally, we are ready for the complete transformation. Meister Eckhart, the 13th to 14th century Rhineland mystic, teaches, Do not reserve a place in your heart for God, for then all the rest of you would be not God. Instead, empty yourself completely and become all God. As we enter into the mystery of the marriage with Sophia and the birth of the Logos within us, we may become one with the universal spirit. This was imaged by the figure of Isis so many centuries before in Apollaeus's The Golden Ass. At the completion of the quest for the gnosis of the heart, lover and beloved unite and become one in the fullness of cosmic consciousness and divine union. This ecstatic union is one that cannot be spoken of, but only experienced. All the senses and desires are fulfilled, completed. Perhaps the best and most moving exposition of this is in the poem The Dark Night of the Soul by the Spanish Carmelite mystic John of the Cross. As a Carmelite, he was heir to the ancient Essene tradition of Mount Carmel, and these themes are evident in his rich imagery and mysticism. Now sit comfortably, feet flat on the floor, hands unclasped, downward on the lap. Now once again, take three deep positive breaths and listen meditatively, being aware, and listen meditatively, being aware of any impressions you may receive. As you listen to this sacred poetry, be receptive, and then, in a period of silence, following this exposition of cosmic union, allow whatever impressions you receive to sink deeply within you. On a dark night, kindled in love with yearnings, O dichosa ventura, O happy chance, I went forth without being observed, my house being now at rest. In darkness and secure, by the secret ladder disguised. O dichoso ventura, O happy chance. In darkness and in concealment, my house being now at rest. In the happy night, in secret when none saw me, nor I beheld aught. Without light or guide, save that which burned in my heart. This light guided me more surely than the light of noonday to the place where he, well I knew who, was awaiting me, the place where none appeared. O night that guided me, O night more lovely than the dawn, O night that joined beloved with lover, lover transformed into the beloved. Upon my flowery breast, kept holy for himself alone, there he stayed sleeping, and I caressed him, and the fanning of the cedars made a breeze. The breeze blew from the turret as I parted his locks. With his gentle hand he wounded my neck. The breeze blew from the turret as I parted his locks. With his gentle hand he wounded my neck and caused all of my senses to be suspended. I remained lost in oblivion. My face I reclined on the beloved. All ceased, and I abandoned myself, leaving my cares forgotten among the lilies.
This is indeed the culmination of the journey. However, here on this plane of existence, short of the final transition, we do not remain at the level of cosmic union except in privileged moments and meditations. The journey continues, but now it is a journey full of love, full of hope, and devoid of fear. For we have been embraced in the all that is, and this light, for we have been embraced in the all that is, and this light can never fade. Frothers and sorors, dear friends, may we embark on the quest for the gnosis of the heart and never turn back. So mote it be. Okay.